0: Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wise. Thank you very much for tuning in today for Little Texas History. I'm recording and releasing this show in January 2022. That means we're coming into the high holy days of Texas history. This year I'm going to do some Alamo stuff, so get ready. Uh, That's coming up. Be sure and look for Texas Independence celebrations around your area. And if you can't find one, put one on yourself. Texas is definitely worth celebrating. Well, as I've said many times on this show, when you are studying Texas history, some of the most interesting characters are women, which for those of us who live here in Texas is no surprise. We're also in rodeo season. Uh, The Fort Worth Stock Show is going on. As I record this episode, San Antonio's coming up, and then the biggest of them all, the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo's coming up. So we're going to combine stock show season and Texas women and talk about a lady who became an early Texas cattle baron, or baroness, I should say, and uh, also a bank president. So let's go back to the 1850s and get wise about Texas. We've touched on this uh, before. In the middle 1800s, starting in 1843, there were massive amounts of German immigration that occurred in Texas. Now several German travelers had written about trips to Texas and published those writings in their native Germany. And conditions in Germany at this time made immigration desirable. And so those two things combined to lead thousands of Germans to head for Texas. And organizing all of this was the Society for the Protection of German Immigrants in Texas. And the German word for that society was named the Adelsverein. And that organization uh, started this immigration push by buying some land near Industry, Texas. It also bought a land grant called the Fisher-Miller Grant, and that grant covered an area that's now encompassed by uh, several counties, Llano, Kimball, Mason, San Saba, McCulloch County, Menard, And Concho counties, I think, were partly in there also. Uh, This is north and west of Fredericksburg, if that helps orient you. And as immigrants landed at both Galveston and Indianola, they would make their way toward those areas. Now, they didn't all make it there. Um, Some of them found the springs and, and short rivers of central Texas a perfect place to stop. So they stopped and started a community named after Psalms of Bronfels, and they called it New Bronfels. Um, and everybody, uh, the Texans listening to this, know it's not New Bronfels, it's New Bronfels. So others, uh, others went on toward the Fisher Miller Grant, but there was a spot where uh, one of the leaders wanted to build a way station, kind of a place to water the cattle and horses. And there was a, a two creeks that came together near the Pedernales River, and that was a Good place to do it. Well, a town sprang up, and they named that town after Prince Frederick of Prussia. Called it Fredericksburg. But others uh, moved on north of there to the Fisher Miller Grant. Well, one of those early German immigrants was a man named, from the Westphalia area of Germany named Louis Martin. Louis Martin was born in 1830, and he took the. He was on one of the first, or maybe the first boat. I think it was the first boat of Adelsverein immigrants to America. He landed in Galveston in 1844. He settled originally in New Braunfels, but then moved on to Fredericksburg in 1847. He was the first sheriff of Gillespie County in 1848. He was also the district clerk for Gillespie County. He married and it is believed his own oldest child was the first white child to be born in Fredericksburg. He was a rancher, a freighter, He had uh, a business selling supplies and feed to the settlers. He also got into real estate and and prospered. He later moved into Mason County and settled in an area called Hedwig's Hill. Now, Hedwig's Hill is one of the oldest communities in Mason County. Now, it's no longer a town, but it was located just north of the Llano River on present-day Highway 87 between Fredericksburg and Mason. Now, it turns out, Lewis Martin's mother was named Hedwig, and he named one of his daughters Hedwig. So we think the community was named for him. Hedwig's Hill had one of the first post offices in Mason County, and Lewis Martin, of course, was the postmaster. His son Charles succeeded him eventually as postmaster. Um, The post office is no longer there. It closed in the early 1900s. Now, we also need to talk about the Meebus family from near Cologne, Germany, on the Rhine River. Now, I'm sure it may be not pronounced Mebus or Mabus, but I'm going to pronounce it that way. In 1843, Alvin and Henrietta Mavis had their first child, a daughter named Anna. Alvin is the Americanized version of the German name Alville. Times were different and difficult in Germany, and uh, Alvin's business failed in 1858. But Henrietta's brother his brother-in-law, Lewis, was said to be making a go of it in a faraway land called Texas. He was prospering, they heard. So at Lewis's behest, the Mavis family sailed for America and arrived in Galveston in 1858. They went straight to Hedwig's Hill to meet up with Henrietta's brother, Lewis. Now, this time in the Texas Hill Country, this was the frontier, and there were two... Very, very dangerous conditions on this frontier. The first were the Indian raids from the Comanche, also the Kiowa. And if you were in the Texas Hill Country at this time, and there was a full moon, you were on guard. Now, you were on guard all, all the time, but especially during the full moon. The settlers called it the Comanche moon. And with the full moon came, uh, it was easier to see in the dark, and, and the Indians would come and raid. Uh, which was a very dangerous situation. But that wasn't the only dangerous situation. The frontier, as all frontiers do, attracted an element that, um, let's just say, was not the best. So it wasn't just Indians that you had to deal with, but also outlaws. Both would create very dangerous situations in the Texas Hill Country, especially during the Civil War. So the Mebius family arrives, and uh, Anna marries, Anna was 15 when she arrived. She got married a year later to her cousin Charles, and they had two sons. Now, uh, during the Civil War, it was a very difficult time in the hill country for the German settlers. The Germans tended to be Unionists. In fact, if you look at the secession votes in 1861, you will see that um, one of the only areas that voted uh, in large numbers against secession were the areas uh, of the Texas Hill Country settled by the Germans. They tended to be what they described as free thinkers. Now, free thinkers come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Um, the Germans stressed uh, education very heavily. Now, there's no, there's not a tie between education and your views on secession at this time, but there is a tie between education and a more Liberal mindset when it comes to thought and speech. And so uh, the Germans considered themselves free thinkers. Many of them were actually socialists or communists. Those communities didn't survive very long, as you might expect. But in any event, they didn't come there to secede from the United States. They came there to settle in one of the United States. Well, as the war progressed, that became it became more dangerous to hold those views because you had issues with, um, what, with local Confederates that weren't off fighting in the war but considered themselves uh, the Home Guard and were looking for uh, dissenters against the Confederate cause. Now, uh, any party at combat wants to root out spies in their midst, but there were excesses And the outlaws that uh, populated the frontier could sometimes um, clothe themselves in some sort of authority. Anyway, the Germans suffered mightily. In fact, there was a very famous massacre, which is going to be uh, the subject of its own uh, episode. But uh, there were a lot of problems on the frontier, so it continued to be a very dangerous area. Uh, Anna's husband, Charles, also got sick. He got an inflammatory rheumatism, which rendered him essentially an invalid. So Anna Martin was placed in the position of being the breadwinner, breadwinner for her family. Now, when Anna arrived from Germany, she spoke two languages, German and French. She didn't speak any English. So that was, uh, that was an impediment, but eventually she learned it and was forced into a situation where she had to use every ounce of her character to make a go. So she borrowed $150, and she reopened the store that Charles had lost during the Civil War. It was the only store west of the Llano River. The mail route in the area ran by the store. That mail route was the San Antonio-El Paso mail route, which was actually an early transcontinental mail route, um, so Charles got himself appointed, despite his illness, got himself appointed postmaster, which would provide a little bit of additional income to the family. And Anna, uh, wisely turned the store into a stage stop for the mail delivery. She stocked some goods for the travelers. She boarded, boarded horses for the stage lines. She would do some sewing, uh, later she too would become, postmistress. Um, So basically what Anna was doing was operating uh, what amounts to a Bucky's of the frontier. As her business grew, she started to exchange dry goods for cattle, which was a very uh, interesting and entrepreneurial step. Texas was expanding and Anna had the vision to realize that cattle were becoming important in that area. Now it is one of the life's more difficult plights is to be a cow in the hill country of Texas. It's rocky. Uh, you can't carry a lot of cattle on your land. And uh, that's why sheep and, the sheep and goat industry rose to prominence in that area. Um, and Anna began buying those too. Uh, she got into everything, basically, that required a quick mine, some forecasting skills, and some business knowledge. She bought cotton. She bought wool. She hauled freight. She did it all. In 1875, an invention came to Texas that would change the ranching industry forever, and that was barbed wire. Once again, Anna had the vision. She sold the first barbed wire in Mason County and probably ended up selling more barbed wire in West Texas than anyone else. She had uh, vision, as I mentioned, and the right amount of tolerance for risk. She was a real entrepreneur. Now, all of these enterprises, required land and of course Anna was good at that too through all of this or after all of this kind of Anna ended up owning about 50,000 acres in Mason, Lano, and Gillespie counties. Now think about that for a minute that is 78 over 78 square miles um, and it as I mentioned takes a lot of land in the hill country to support livestock but that 50,000 acres is a huge area to take care of but Anna did it. There wasn't a livestock deal done in that entire area without Miss Martin being consulted or asked for advice or being involved in it. She ran all this business with her two sons, Charles and Max. And doing all these livestock deals, Anna essentially was a de facto banker, uh, the way these deals were structured. And in 1897, she decided to sell the store and in 1901, or by 1901, decided to start an actual bank. She got three partners from the area and started the Commercial Bank. That was the name of it, the Commercial Bank. Anna was the president. Now, this is 1901. Now, I can't say uh, that Anna Martin was the first bank female bank president in the United States because there were some others around that time, maybe a bit earlier. But I bet she was the first one in Texas. And if you know of another one... Uh, in 1901, please let me know. A couple of years later, uh, Anna bought out the only comp- competing bank in Mason, and she remained president of the commercial bank until her death in 1925. Now, I went back and looked at the census, and Anna lists her occupation in the 1920 census, which was the last one taken while she was alive. She lists uh, none as an occupation, but she owned the bank, so she's the boss no matter what. Any actual title might have been. And that bank was actually owned by the Martin family until 1958. Um, But you know what? The commercial bank is still operating in Mason, and it's still local. So Anna Martin was a true pioneer. She did a lot of things uh, for the first time in the area, for the first time by a woman in the area, for the first time by a woman in the state, and they lasted. Uh, The land up there is still owned by many Martin descendants, and Anna Martin created a tremendous legacy in Mason County. She started with nothing off a boat from a faraway land, didn't even speak the language, faced down Indians and outlaws, and did it all the best it could be done. Here's a quote from Anna Martin, which I'll leave you with. Quote, I heard men say, she's only a woman, but I showed them what a woman can do. Close quote. So here's to Anna Martin, a great Texas woman. Well, now we come to the part of the show called Getting There, where I tell you how to go see a couple of the places I mentioned in the episode. Uh, very interesting place to go is the Ranching Heritage Center at Texas Tech University in Lubbock. Now, why am I mentioning that? Well, Lewis Martin's home at Hedwig's Hill was one of the last, probably the last, remaining structure at Hedwig's Hill after the town uh, went away. That building was moved to the Ranching Heritage Center, so you can go see the Lewis Martin home uh, at the Ranching Heritage Center in Lubbock, and if you want more information on that, their website is ranchingheritage.org. Fascinating place, great organization preserving the ranching heritage of texas anna martin was buried in the family cemetery near hedwigs hill in the martin cemetery i believe now i have not been there um, but i believe from what i can tell it's probably on private land uh, but hedwigs hill if you're on highway 87 just as you cross uh, the Llano river uh, hedwigs hill that you're in the hedwigs hill area and uh, on the right side of the highway not too far off the highway And not too far north of the river um, is where Anna Martin's buried. If you go to Mason, Texas, you'll see the commercial bank, which was Anna's bank. Uh, There are Martins all over Mason, so tell them hello. The Mason County Historical Society has two museums, a museum, one called the Museum on the Square, which is on the Courthouse Square, and the Mason County Museum, which is at 210 Bryan Street in Mason. There was an Anna Martin exhibit. I don't know if it's still there. uh, She has a diary that was on display. Um, It is uh, always a good time to drive around uh, the Texas Hill Country, so go up there and take a look. Just be very careful if it's a full moon. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Wise About Texas. Uh, Go like and share the Wise About Texas Facebook page if you get a minute. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at wise about texas and leave a five-star review on apple podcast if you get a minute that helps other people find the show thanks for listening go out and do something for texas today and until next time god bless texas and we'll see you down the road